Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. Today we are continuing our mini-series on neurosurgery families, and I am absolutely delighted to be joined by two prominent neurosurgeons in Los Angeles, uh, Linda Liao, who's the chair at UCLA, and Mar- Marvin Bergschneider, who is a professor of neurosurgery at UCLA as well. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Great, great. So, you know, it's it's such a rich field, again, to talk about in terms of neurosurgery, and it's hard enough to be a neurosurgeon um, sort of solo. Uh, I have a, a more traditional marriage where my wife, you know, sort of stays at home more, takes care of the kids, and I'm obviously at work doing spine surgery and whatnot and taking call. But you guys have a very unique situation. But before we cut into that, I'd like for you to introduce yourselves, maybe tell us about how you got into neurosurgery, uh, what your specialty is, and, and let the audience know who you really are. So, Linda, let's start with you. Um, well, uh, yeah, so I am a, uh, uh, you know, a, a neurosurgeon here at UCLA. I'm currently the chair of neurosurgery here. Um, I do brain tumors. I, I actually, I trained at UCLA. I stayed here um, to do a, uh, you know, a, a fellowship um, and a PhD. And uh, my um, uh, career really has evolved around both the uh, basic science and, and, you know, translational aspects of, uh, you know, brain tumor therapy and also run brain tumor clinical trials. So that's what I do um, clinically or professionally. But I'm also, uh, you know, the, the mom of two kids. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I must say it's, uh, it, it has been, you know, challenging uh, having, uh, a, you know, a, a family with, within neurosurgery, but uh, I've had, uh, you know, a very supportive spouse. Uh, and uh, I'll uh, turn it over to Marvin to introduce himself. Thanks, Linda. I think the, um, people might want to uh, guess that we met during residency, um, and we're both lifers at UCLA. We, we both trained there and have been uh, faculty uh, at UCLA uh, right after residency. I, um, I like Linda kind of grew up with uh, humble beginnings, uh, mainly from Arizona. Um, that's where my, my family uh, lives. I went to school there and, and was very lucky to match at UCLA and, and to meet Linda uh, when uh, we were both uh, residents. Um, I'm several years ahead of her, so there was an awkward period where I was a faculty member and she was a resident, and then and then we were both faculty members. Uh, my specialty is skull base and uh, pituitary surgery. And um, I've also had a, a, a life a career long interest in intracranial pressure physiology and hydrocephalus. Yeah, so that's a great introduction. And, and I, I guess that our our audience can know that nobody ever has to ask you guys how you met, right? Because you guys were in residency together, right? It's not like you ran into each other at a bar or went through a, a, an app or something like that, right? So you guys met in residency. Um, and much like when we talked to Evan Luther and Kat Berry, there was a situation where 
they're trying to plan out their careers. And, um, you know, if the person who is a little bit older is ahead, they are almost kind of driving, you know, where the next place is. But you guys said you're UCLA lifers, right? That means you guys have been at UCLA since you were residents and continuing through. Is that correct? Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, back then there were no dating apps <laughs> um, and no 80 hour work week restrictions. So, so you know, we, we're in the hospital a lot. So in essence, the, the, the only people we, we saw, <laughs> the only people I saw were, were you know, co-residents. Um, but uh, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so I think it, it, it was, uh, you know, uh, interesting that you know we, we we started dating when when we were residents uh we actually didn't uh, uh oh. somebody's getting paged there you go right there right you guys have double the probability of getting paged <laughs> yes uh but we we actually um you know kept it secret really until <laughs> until actually i finished residency um so uh so that that was you know particularly challenging as well I wonder um, if I could, you know, as we're getting to know you and exploring the background of your relationship, you said you obviously met during residency, became involved romantically during residency. At what point, as you said, you kept it secret at first. At what point did you let your relationship become public and then eventually actually get married? Where were you professionally at that point? It may have been the worst kept secret. We don't know in retrospect. Uh, <laughs> I, I do remember uh, there, there's an outdoor mall that we were walking to go to the movies and we were kind of late and uh, we were there's a big passageway of people and there was this guy walking kind of slowly in front of us and we kind of, we were holding hands and we split and went around them and it was our chair, Dr. Becker, that we, uh, and then we, all, we just kind of split off to different directions because yeah. So, so let me ask you about that because it's quite interesting for a lot of folks because it is sensitive sometimes. Why, why even try to keep it more discreet? Like in other words, why not just like announce that you, know, you guys are dating and all that? Is it because of all the difficulties with work or you don't want to have any perceived bias or, you know, why would you not just let everybody, let the world know, right? Well, I think, um, you know, when, when I when I started residency or actually when I was interviewing, one of the questions I was asked was, yeah, do you plan to have kids? Um, you know, it's not a question people ask these days, but back then, you know, it, it's, uh, it, you know, it, there, there weren't as many women in, uh, going into neurosurgery. And I think that was a common thing on people's minds. And um, I distinctly remember, you know, I told, told, uh, you know, told, told my chair, uh, no, of course not. You know, I'm dedicated to my career. And I think when I started residency, that was, that, that was, you know, my intent and, and what I, you know, was thinking. I actually had, had not met um, people with families uh, or, or women, you know, neurosurgeons with families at the time. So I didn't think that was actually possible. So I think part of it had to do with kind of this perception that, um, you know, if, if I, you know, got married or, or wanted to have a family, you know, you're not viewed as, as, you know, strong of a resident. Yeah, you know, to remind our audience, uh, Linda, even though you, you look so young, uh, you you were a resident in the late '80s, right, and early '90s. Is that correct? Yeah, early '90s. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so in that era, as you said, there was no work hours restrictions, right? Uh, I think that the residents usually weren't unionized. And as you said, the proper answer is uh, I'm not going to have children during residency because that would interfere with my training and my job and my responsibilities, right? Was that how it felt back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly how it felt. Yeah. Okay. So now let's fast forward to you guys are dating and all this and, and, and you're, you're and into your marriage. How do you juggle that incredible amount of workload? Like I was thinking back to when I was a resident, we worked about a hundred and hundred to 115 hours a week. And like, you know, if, if my um, partner were also working a similar complement hours, I would think I would never see that person except at work. Right. I mean, that seems to be the only interaction you'd have. Right. Um, well, we, we didn't get married till I finished residency. So, so actually I was in attending already or, you know, had just finished residency. Um, and, you know, we, we actually uh, eloped to Hawaii. We actually didn't have a big wedding or anything like that. Uh, we just, you know, just uh, family, close uh, family members came to our wedding. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, we, I, I got, pregnant during during our honeymoon so so it wasn't um necessarily planned um but i must say it was it was the most wonderful thing um to you know uh to have kids and i'm so glad that it it happened you know when it happened yeah i've had the opportunity to meet your 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 lovely children they're they're delightful and now they're just about grown right they're just about all uh sort of off to being adults and all that but at that time you you know when you and marvin are raising you have two children correct yes yeah so you have two young children and you're raising them and how do you how do you juggle this? Like we were uh, interviewing Anand Virvagu from Stanford and talking about how, you know, a lot of folks end up having this nanny call schedule and all that. So, so go back, you know, 15 years for our listeners and, and give them some insight on how you juggle two nursery careers plus raising kids. How do you do that? Well, Marvin, do you want to address that? <laughs> so likely there, there's a, a couple of advantages to being married. Uh, as academic neurosurgeons uh, in this, in working at the same hospital. And, and then there's, uh, we can talk about the disadvantages, but uh, we made a commitment um, that we were not going to be um, parents that hired nannies and, uh, you know, were absent in our kids' lives. Uh, so, uh, we, and we did have a nanny at first because uh, when, when, when a child's an infant and all that, you just can't go to work without a, a nanny. But we um, we were home, uh, and I can say during our kids uh, until they went to college, we were basically home for dinner almost every night. Um, I know personally for me uh, back then, uh, the, all the OR nurses at UCLA would right around three o'clock in the afternoon. They would, they would start talking and ask who's going to pick up the kids and because uh, they knew that uh, this was important for us. Um, we would, if I had add-on cases, we would bump them till 8 o'clock so we could be at home for dinner. And then i go back to the o, OR uh, later at night to finish my, my caseload. The, um, I, I would say uh, the other advantage, and, uh, and maybe it's not as easily done now is that uh, if we were operating on the same day so we would schedule our days uh, and so we would have clinic or OR days on alternate days so one of us could take the kids into school 
uh, if we had a clinic day, and we just started a clinic a little bit later. Uh, but uh, if we both were, had first starts, um, often uh, Linda would take the kids in, and I would set up her case for her, um, position the patient, and uh, I was the only one brave enough to do that. And the residents were were terrified uh, to do that uh, for Linda, but uh, we would do that. So she would come in, and the case would be ready to go. Wow, that's lived. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah, I need a spouse like you, Marvin. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah. So, so I think it's you know, and and, and vice versa, and and so I think yeah. So Marvin used to, uh, well, he still does. He operates Wednesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and I had Tuesdays and Thursdays. So, so we intentionally tried, you know, not to have the same days in the OR. Because you know, as you know, it's it's hard to leave in the middle of a case. Um, but in clinic, you could, if if there were an emergency, you know, hopefully juggle things around. And uh, but on the days, yeah, on the days when we were both in the OR, because you know, of course, with with trauma and emergencies and take backs and things like that, you can't prevent that. Um, yeah, that our I must say the staff, I guess, because we've been at UCLA so long, are are you know the. The OR, you know, nurses and staff are, are just, you know, incredibly supportive. They, they always kind of, um, yeah, like, like Marvin said, if, if we were, uh, you know, reaching the time where, you know, kids needed to be picked up or and things like that, they, they, they would uh, let us know. And, you know, even they, they'd like, you know, call, call the, the, the um, uh, you know, call the nanny or, or call somebody if, if it was a real bind, um, they, you know, they'd help out. Um, and, and it got to the point where um, I remember when, um, you know, our, our, our son got into college and he was doing his um, kind of like admissions, you know, um, uh, weekend, you know, for, you know, for, for the colleges he got into, to, you know, to decide, you know, where he would go. Um, there was this one, you know, one weekend that, you know, neither one of us could go because uh, we had other commitments, um, you know, our... Uh, you know, our ORPA actually served as, as the surrogate parent and then, uh, and took our son, uh, you know, to those trips because um, he actually broke his leg at the time. So he, he actually went in crutches to, to do his, uh, you know, college tour. So, so I think we have a very supportive um, family, work family here at UCLA, which I think has helped through the years. Yeah, so I'm hearing you have to be creative and flexible, and you also need the right kind of supportive environment to make it happen, right? Um, but as I'm hearing you talk about this, I wonder for myself, like in the process of doing that, all these sort of uh, special arrangements, do you feel like, and I, I know your kids might listen to this, so I have to be careful what I ask, but do you feel like maybe like you could have been more productive clinically, or maybe you gave up on going on national, going to national meetings and trips that might have advanced your careers more, or presented your research more. Do you feel like doing it this way has it costs something, right? Yeah, I, I mean, but but I think as, as Marvin said, I think our, our priority um, was our kids. Um, that that really, I mean, I mean, I think. You know, I still went to national meetings and, you know, did things. And uh, and one thing I think, like I said, it's, it's you know, good to have a supportive spouse. Um, like we, I, I don't think Marvin and I have 
been to, I think in, in the last 20 years, I don't think we've been <laughs> to the same meeting um, at the ANS or CNS, uh, you know, at the same time. You know, we, we, we would do these like um, tag team, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, meetings where, you know, I'd go to part of it or, and then he'd go for the other part or, or vice versa. Um, so uh, in answer to your question, you know, did, did I did, did I think it impacted um, our career? I would say actually no, because I kind of think the, you know, your career is and your life, you know, should be enjoyable and should be meaningful and, and purposeful and, and our family's part of that. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think that you know you've obviously done a f- fantastic job of juggling it. So when you when you think about the advice you offer to young people, let's say they're folks that are interested, and maybe it's not two neurosurgeons, maybe it's a neurosurgeon, a an ENT surgeon, right? Which may be a little bit less arduous, but still fairly demanding. You look back on it and say, well, if I were to give advice to people who are walking this this route, what would you say to them? Marvin, do you want to? <laughs> Well, yeah, Marvin was a program director for many years, so but what do we tell our residents? Well, I, I'm not sure you can't tell them anything if, if they fall in love, and, and, you know, you just have to make the best best of it. Um, the, the advice I've given our residents, you know, we all, we all see through, we see the world through the lens that we live in, and um, is that, you know, Although Linda and I, I think we're both successful in our own rights. I mean, Linda is, I think, far more successful. Um, and I think that's the way relationships have to be. Um, I, I tell our residents, you know, if two narcissistic people get married, it's a disaster. If you have two highly ambitious people, um, that's also, it's going to clash. <clears throat> and. There's a little bit of a yin and yang, I think, with our relationship. I've always told everyone that um, Linda is like a cruise missile. She has, you know, when she interviewed to, to be a resident, she said, I want to be chair. And she's just been very goal-directed. And I've always said that I'm more like a scud missile. And I'm launched and wherever I land, I, I, I land. And um, it's that, that ability to give and take. Um, and she's made me a better academic neurosurgeon because of her drive and, and as a role model. And I, I want to think that I've made her a, a, a better uh, parent and, and all that because of my little bit of a lazy fair type attitude of, well, uh, this is important too. And, and sometimes you have to let go of academic, um, you know, career aspirations because the kids are important. You only have them once. I think everybody knows that. Um, and, and you have to spend lots of time with them and be interested with what they're interested in. Um, my daughter played volleyball. We made it to every single volleyball game that they played. Um, home, away, tournaments, a club. Uh, we were there. That's so to impressive to think that you made it to every game. I know uh, many parents, even with less demanding careers, who, who don't make every game. Um, but I, I wonder, as I hear you talking about um, the way that your careers obviously have affected your relationship, but more so the way that your relationship and your personalities have shaped your careers, 
I wonder if you have charted any kind of change over the course of, of your life together and your careers together, the way that your work would affect your conversations at home, the way that work made its way into your life together outside of the workplace. I know, as Dr. Wang referenced our previous conversation with uh, Evan Luther and Kat Berry at Miami, who are very early in their career, and we talked with them about if they ever set aside sacred time where neurosurgery will not be discussed, or if it's always present and they talk about it as a you know, just a part of their life that they share. Over the course of your marriage and your life together, has the way that you interacted with or dealt with work matters changed as, as you've grown together, both professionally and at home? Yeah, I mean, I think inevitably we, we do talk about neurosurgical issues at, at home, but but there, quite frankly, there are a lot of other <laughs> issues to to talk about, uh, especially as your kids are growing up. You know, their teenage issues. Right. There, there, there's a lot of other things that that actually, uh, you know, we, we spend our, our, our time uh, discussing. So, so it's not like we set aside, you know, like oh. That, you know, this time we're not going to talk about this, and this time we're going to talk about this. I think it's just you know whatever's um, you know important uh, you know to, to talk about at the time, and and you know, and our, our kids kind of you know gr- grew up with that, um, and uh, you know, I, I think I think for the first few years, you know, our, our kids thought that you know all parents were <laughs> were you know uh, neurosurgeons. Um, and uh, got called out in the middle of the night and things like that. I mean, I think that was kind of considered normal for them. Um, and I think, like you said, our, our, our different, you know, our different personalities, I think, shaped kind of what we, you know, have done with our careers. But I think that they did complement each other. Um, you know, Mar- Marvin's a, you know, skull-based surgeon. So, it's, you know, those cases take a very long time. So, you know, so he, he, he was, you know, he traveled less than, than I did. Um, and, uh, and I think that, you know, th- that helped a bit. Um, but I think in the end, um, you know, I, I don't know if you know, but, you know, both our kids are actually planning to go into medicine. Uh, and, uh, you, know, our, you know, our daughter's in a, an eight-year medical program right now, and our, our son, um, you know, is applying to med school. And... Um, although they're not telling us, <laughs> you know, maybe they'll do neurosurgery. And I think, you know, one thing our, you know, our, our kids said was that they, um, they, they they see the value in that. They, they see the value in having a career that, that you love um, and, and you're able to share with, with your family. I'm so glad that you brought up your children. In fact, I, I was intending to ask that very question with if they had any aspirations towards any kind of medical field, much less neurosurgery. Um, and that that's such an exciting time for where they both are, one already in a program, one pre-medical. Um, you know, good luck to them. And I can't wait to see what specialty they do wind up in, what they fall in love with professionally. Um, but on that very note, thinking about being raised in a household surrounded by neurosurgery, both parents are neurosurgeons, even with different personality types, but still both neurosurgeons of that discipline, of that training. I wonder if you took any measures or made any explicit effort to expose your children to other things 
uh, perhaps in the arts or athletics, or you talked about volleyball, but to, to kind of deliberately and consciously find some way to make sure that a non-neurosurgical perspective, if you will, uh, was available to them, but also that they were exposed to it as they were growing. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, you know, uh, you know, I think, our, you know, both our kids are, are very uh, athletic and actually um, I think for, for our daughter, I remember, um, you know, we tried uh, we tried a lot of different things. We tried ballet, violin, <laughs> um, yeah you know, arts and crafts and, you know, a lot of different uh, extracurricular activities and, uh, and then finally landed on volleyball. And that's something that she really loved and, uh, and did well. In. And, uh, you know, she played varsity volleyball, you know, during uh, high school. And then, you know, now, now she plays um, a club in college. Um, and, uh, and she's actually, um, uh, she was really into, she actually started college as an environmental studies major. That's actually what she went into college, uh, you know, wanting to, to study. Um, but, and, and then, you know, now, now she's, uh, she's actually majoring in medical anthropology. Uh, so, so, so I, I think, um, I think we, we actually tried very hard to expose them to other perspectives um, because I th- think, you know, being being the, the children of two neurosurgeons, I, at least in, in my opinion, I think was very, um, you know, it, it seems very narrow, <laughs> um, and uh, and you know, we we did want them to have you know friends outside of you know our, our neurosurgical colleagues and and, uh, and and to have broader perspectives. So so they they, they both kind of landed on, you know, on, on what they wanted to do. Um, but by themselves, I, I, I don't think either one of us kind of, you know, pushed them towards that. But uh, I, I don't know, Marvin, what, what would you say? Uh, you know, always encourage them to follow their passion, but also uh, be employed and not live in our basement. So <laughs> I think that was the... I don't know what else to say. They 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 they, they both uh, selected medicine, um, and were super happy about that. But that had they chose law school or chosen to be, uh, you know, anything productive, what, you know, what I'm most proud of our our kids, I think, Linda too, is that they're both really good people. And that's what I'm most proud of. That that we raised two empathetic, caring children who are, are nice. They're nice people uh, and they're fun. And uh, the rest of it is just gravy. What they do with their life, their career is awesome. Who they meet, who they want to spend the rest of their life with. But um, they're really good people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and our, our uh, you know, our son, uh, you know, went, went, went to Stanford. He started as, you know, an, a double major with uh, computer science, um, so so we, I, I don't think he had you know initially started college with the intent of going into medical school, although that that was kind of in, in the back of his mind as well. Um, and uh, and I think you know what led him to to decide to do medical school is the uh, 
you know, the, 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 he, he volunteered at, you know, at a free clinic there. And, and I think um, after he did that, you know, I remember having conversations with them about, you know, kind of the, I guess, the gratification of being able to, to help people in, in that realm. And, and I think it wasn't until, you know, that our kids got older that they realized that that is, you know, what, what's, what's special about a c- career in medicine. So, um, so, so I think, yeah, I think, that, like Marvin said, we, the only stipulation we gave him was that, you know, to be, you know, um, good people and, and, yeah, not live in our basements when they grow up. <laughs> what, a, what a phenomenal and beautiful sentiment. I mean, th- this whole conversation has been one long testament to the love you have for each other and for your children and your family. And it's really gratifying to be able to talk to people in the field um, about things like this. And that's kind of the whole point of this series is to get outside of the box of just neurosurgeons talking about neurosurgery and really get to know the humans behind the professionals, if you will. So I'm sure that being both parents and both working in neurosurgery, the demands on your time are exponential, not additive. So we don't want to take too much of it. We want to respect your time on the weekend when we're talking here. So uh, thank you again so much for giving us your time and for this little insight into your private lives, your personal lives, and your family. Uh, thank you both so much for coming on the Neurosurgery Podcast today. Well, thank you for having us.